These are the finalists who yesterday pitched amongst uh, 32 in total pitched for 101 and 201 status. Uh, these five individuals and companies were selected to pitch 101. They will start momentarily. And I have been told to, to say to our illustrious judges that uh, thank you very much because without you this is, would not be happening and uh, I think we're going to have some fun. So to each of you, thanks for coming. <laughs> starting, off, we, starting off here, we have uh, Paul, David, Gary, and Amy. So thanks for making it. As we have our first pitch, Seth, come on up. So, are you uh, ready to go? Yes. You're on. Hi, everyone. I'm Saif Ahmed, and I'm the founder of Nephropod. Kidney, kidney disease is the ninth leading cause of death in Canada. An estimated 3.8 million Canadians have chronic kidney disease, and 2.6 million of them require dialysis, which costs a patient $900 to $1,200 every week. Now, imagine being a kidney patient who had to travel three to four times every week to the hospital just for dialysis. That's where Nephropod comes in. We at Nephropod have designed an affordable and portable dialysis machine with a user-friendly interface that will help kidney patients to be better engaged with their care. Currently, there are two home dialysis machines available in the market, but they cost around $15,000 to $20,000 each. I'm a senior process engineering student and the founder of Nephropod. My team consists of 3D modeling experts from Manmet 3D and an associate professor from my, from my faculty. So far, I have completed over 80 customer interviews to validate the traction of my project. I'm currently in my prototype stage, and I'm looking for... Thank you. All right. And, and yes, I know 99% of you think I'm the cruelest person in this room. You're right. So that was a one-minute pitch. And now we go over to uh, a Q&A session of two minutes where the, um, the judges will be able to ask the pitcher. And the pitcher hopefully will answer in a very quick, short uh, uh, reply and to any of the questions. And then once that two minutes is up, we'll go into a two-minute critique where we're asking really for the judges to provide a comment, feedback, back to the pitcher. So, if we'd like to get underway on the Q&A, Amy, would you, would you like to start? Maybe you can just walk us through uh, the use case for it and, and what would drive people to use your product before going to the hospital. Like, well, the current dialysis machines that are available in the market are very expensive, and there are many people who have to commute long distances three to four times every week to the, in, uh, to the nearest hospital for in-center dialysis. So we are focusing more on affordable and a uh, portable dialysis machine that will help people uh, who have to commute every week 
to the hospitals, and this will save a lot of money for them. So just one quick question. So if they're in Canada and they're using the public health system, um, who's paying for your technology? Um, for, for my technology? For, I'm looking for uh, uh, collaborating with healthcare startups. I mean, the, the healthcare ecosystem is the entrepreneurial startup community. And also I'm looking to get funding from Health Canada as well. Uh, what's your regulatory? Um, currently, um, I'm working on the IP as well and FDA requirements. And I'm working on my beta product. In a, I wanted to work on my beta product in a clinical laboratory environment. Um, who is your actual customer? Who's buying? Like, are you talking small communities where it can be shared or individuals? Yeah. I'm focusing more on uh, reaching out to the hospitals because the dialysis machines that we are currently using now are imported from USA. And it, costing, it is costing a lot. Uh, for example, for Newfoundland, they are investing like $600,000 in the next two years just to buy 20 machines. So it's very expensive for, uh, for the government as well. Um, can you briefly describe what your, your sales channel looks like? Uh, my current ch challenges are the legal costs associated with it, like the IP and uh, FDA requirements. And also I'm working on my, I want to work in a beta, on my beta product in a clinical environment as well. Great. Thank you. So now if you can uh, stay here and, and listen to the comments. It's a one-way one -way dialogue from the judges to you. And um, so, Amy, would you, do you want to start with some feedback? Um, so I think what you're doing is really interesting, and it's a really important cause and people need it. Um, I think from an investor perspective, uh, I'd need to see a little bit more clarity on your sales strategy and understand, you know, who's the end customer and who's, who's ultimately paying for this. Is it, you know, the healthcare systems paying insurers? Like, where's your market? Because it really changes depending on where you're, you're seeing it. Um, so given this is a medical device, it's very interesting and it's like curing cancer, so it's a big thing. Good job on doing that. Um, I, I think to draw interest from the investors, I think you need to speak more about like how big this opportunity is, so that you know they can sort of tolerate or work with the long journey that you have to get it approved. Go to Mike. I, I thought uh, you're on to something, right? Uh, bringing a medicine more local, especially bringing the costs of equipment down, where you have to, you know, you look at just North America, but in the world. There are a lot of communities where people are not close to major hospitals or major facilities, and the fact that you've developed a device that can reduce the cost and provide more service more locally, I think, is uh, phenomenal. So congratulations. Uh, similar to what my colleagues were saying, I mean, you're solving, you have a good solution for an important societal problem, and, and so there's, there's a there there. It's an ecosystem with a lot of moving parts. So as an investor, we would be looking for some experience on your team, people who understand the regulatory environment, um, the sales channel. So it, it isn't just the device, but it's that whole ecosystem that you have to, that's the nut you have to crack. Great. Okay. Thank you. So before we call the next picture up, I would like to uh, have each of the Judges, perhaps give a 30-second intro of your background when it comes from a judging perspective, an investor perspective. So, Amy, I'm going to put you on the hot seat again. If you uh, want to take 30 seconds and tell us, tell us who you are. So, my name is Amy. I'm based in Montreal. 
originally from Newfoundland, so I have a little bit of East Coast blood. Um, I work with BDC Venture Capital and their strategic investments uh, team. So we have a $200 million fund focused on investing in uh, women venture profile companies seed through to Series B. And we also have a regular seed fund. Hi, I'm uh, Gary. I'm based in Toronto. Uh, I am a member of a Toronto group called uh, Maple Leaf Angels. I'm on the investment review committee. Uh, our fund is like a fraction of what she just uh, talked about, but we do see companies beginning to see more and more companies from the East Coast, so I think that's exciting to see. Uh, there's definitely like an emerging or evolving uh, ecosystem out here, so very excited to be here to learn more. Uh, David Brennan, proudly from Prince Edward Island, graduated from UPEI like 32 years ago, um, but now in Toronto. Uh, most of my career uh, working in seed uh, in startups uh, have raised well over a billion dollars from venture capitalists in my career, both from Silicon Valley, Canada, New York. Broken. Um, and I've been very lucky to have had uh, some significant exits of over a billion dollars uh, with Pickstream, Achievers, and I'm now uh, CFO of Ecobee, and we just raised $130 million. Uh, so we now have enough money to be dangerous and hopefully do an IPO in the next couple of years. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Lipicheski. I'm uh, what's known as the guy from away with a long name and a lot of opinions. Um, I'm an IT exec. That I've run NASDAQ companies. I've run startups in the full gamut. Uh, came here in 2008 when started uh, mentoring and angel investing here in the region and had the good fortune to become one of the managing partners of Island uh, Capital Ventures. Capital Partners. I'm thrilled to be here. Again, thanks. Next, Jessica. We ready to come up? Let's go. Golf club membership is declining, despite more people playing golf today than ever before. Engagement drives membership and we drive engagement. We are Six Joes, the world's first draft fantasy software for amateurs, where instead of drafting pros like Tiger and Rory, you pick average Joes at your club, like Terry and Bob. The concept of draft fantasy inspires so much engagement that it has dramatically shifted the landscape of the professional sports marketplace, so we put it into the hands of clubs and their golfers. 62 million people play golf at 34,000 clubs, advertisers spend $8 billion annually connecting with this audience, and we provide that connection mechanism. Scoring apps could compete with us, but only if they develop draft fantasy, and none of them have. My name's Jess, our team of seven has 30 years experience in both golf and tech, and we're ready for market. We've tested 120 games, partnered with the PGA Atlantic and Ontario, and 98% of test participants want to play again. We're asking for 850,000 to go to market, strength in tech, and scale. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Q&A. Who would like to lead off? Just because the game drives me absolutely crazy. Um, so I assume that the, when you look going forward, the popularity of the game itself has to continue to grow. Um, in order for you to sort of monetize the people that are interested in playing the game. And do you see that growth continuing? 
there's, there's actually more people playing golf than ever. What we're intending to do is put this, this game that replicates the, the phenomenon that's already been so successful in the professional world and put it into the already hugely successful and popular golf market. So with that $62 million or $62 million person market, we've, uh, we've got quite a capacity there. Okay. And the only reason I said that is I thought after Tiger's sort of decline, you saw general decline in golf around the world, but I, I'm happy to see it's increasing, so that's awesome. It's just the membership that's declining. Yeah. So um, who gives you money? Uh, clubs. We have uh, a three-tier or three-stream revenue structure. Uh, license fees, which is primarily clubs, but also league organizations and independent tournaments. Uh, we also have strategic sponsorship opportunities with uh, golf industry-related organizations and uh, click-through advertising on the app. Um, do you have any protectable IP, your secret sauce? <laughs> Scoring apps could absolutely do what we're doing. Uh, our, our biggest risk is growing too slowly and having somebody come in and do this faster than we do. Is there anyone else in golf doing anything similar? Not in the amateur market. Okay. Is the software, as it currently sits, scalable? Can you go to millions of users? Absolutely. Good, good. All right, judges. Who would like to start their feedback? Um, if you had more than a minute to talk to us, uh, we'd, I'd, I'd personally be looking for the, um, the, some hard data on, on the, the growth of participation because, I mean, there's some data out there that uh, the golf industry is being driven, was driven by the baby boomers who, given that all of us are getting older, uh, they're playing fewer, fewer games, fewer rounds, and, um, and so that, I would still need to see proof point for that. Yeah, I, I had the privilege a month and a half ago to play at the program at the Canadian Open and got to talk to some pro golfers about the business of golf and it's, it's impressive how they are very concerned about the, how many people are accessing golf at the club level, at the membership level uh, and they really understood their ambassadorship towards that uh, and it's a great game. So anything that will encourage people to come out to golf clubs, I think we do a poor job on the youth and the junior programs because golf courses, memberships generally don't like, you know, 12-year-olds running around golf courses. I was lucky stand-up golf course didn't mind me being there, but uh, I think it's fantastic. Um, I, I think it would be interesting to also talk about, like, when you talk about the amateur market, how you can go further down market to, like, the after-school program, which is, like, a huge industry. Um, and also, like, given the general perception about declining participation, I wonder if there's any opportunity for you to expand to other sports, as an example. I thought the pitch was really good. Um, I guess it's hard without, like, a deck, but I'd love to see and kind of understand better how the platform works and how um, people interact with it and what makes it, like, special. Like, what makes people want to keep engaged on the, the platform. Next. Caleb, come on up. Let's make it happen. We know that energy storage plays a major part in our clean energy future. The problem, products like Tesla are too expensive. There are also energy efficient products out there like the Nest thermostat, and it cuts back our energy. Customers want something different. We've talked to hundreds, and it's an affordable solution that we're bringing to them today. 
and that it doesn't impact their lifestyles. I'm Caleb, CEO of Huka Power, and our team, experienced in designing smart grid products, has developed the next energy storage device. It's affordable, intelligent, packed with tier one batteries, designed for utility load management and customer comfort. Millions of households and businesses out there need this solution. We're bringing it to utilities, starting with our first award with the largest U.S. energy provider. We've raised 450 of 750. That's, 700, that's 300K available to you today. Grow with us and keep your lives powered. Thank you. Did, did I hear you say, Caleb, that you're, so you're selling through utilities who then give that to their consumers, or do you sell directly to the consumers? We're starting with utilities. And, and how, do you, how do you reach out and touch them? So with utilities, there are three channels. their utility marketplace, an energy store, pop-up stores in their territories, as well as home energy reports for advertising. Uh, being from Ecobee, the second largest Wi-Fi smart-enabled thermostat in the marketplace, I'm glad you mentioned Nest, our evil empire <laughs> competitor. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I just like, love that. No. Um, so uh, I got so much to say because I live, the, live in this every day. But you talk about the battery, and we talk about the home being a thermal battery in itself, right? It's not an effective battery, but it is a battery. Uh, and do you address that in your solution, or is it just installing a battery in a consumer's home and storing the power? Our energy storage devices are designed to be plug-and-play and so that they don't impede one's lifestyle. Thermostats are great, but they do turn off our heat and our AC, and so that impedes and impacts our lifestyle. We don't want that. We're putting a plug-and-play solution, send it in a box with a welcome letter, connect it to the utility, save money, have reliable power at all times. So right now, um, our first award pilot, uh, they're helping us a lot with all of the marketing and the segmentation, but they're, yeah, they're essentially doing the, the marketing for us at first. Once we go to the retail channel, after uh, experience with the utilities, we're going to have to really look to companies like Ecobee and Nest and, and uh, the path that's already been paid for us. We're going to uh, take an extension uh, and let Amy ask a question. Is one, uh, one of our judges uh, sort of did a... Oh, Equal advertisement. I, I, <laughs> I actually don't know this space much at all, and I was hoping that because of the buzzer, I wouldn't have to ask a question. But thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, great pitch. Um, more so, just wondering um, with your round. It seems like I don't, I don't know the space that well, but it seems quite small. Like, where does that money take you, and kind of uh, when are you going to have to raise again, and for what? So the money also takes into effect that we're going to be earning revenue, but the, re the, the 300K that we need to, to close this seed raise will allow us to um, basically have cash flow for production purposes. Thanks. So uh, are we ready for a little feedback? Who would, who would like to start the feedback? Um, so I guess from my perspective, I don't know the space very well, but I felt like your delivery of the pitch was really fluid, and as someone that doesn't know much, I, I understood kind of where you were going. Um, I'd probably like to know a little bit more about the actual end consumer and what the benefit is to them. Yeah, yeah I thought it was a complete pitch. You have all the pieces together, so I, I think it's good. It would be good to speak more about like your product a little bit more, but I know you only have one minute. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think um, I have a lot of knowledge, obviously. Um, I think the biggest issue will be, um, you know, if you look at Ecobee, we've been doing this for 10 years. We've raised over $160 million over that time frame. Dealing with utilities, consumer product, end user, there's a lot of hurdles, challenges, and um, I think looking at the amount of capital you'll need over the life of, over your journey will be a significant issue in your business. But wish you all the best. Um, I'll echo that comment. Um, a, a great pitch. And uh, a lot of companies underestimate the, you know, a lot of focus goes into the product development, but it's the marketing and sales development, which probably costs more and is more difficult. And, and you want to make sure you don't underestimate that. Uh -huh. So, Brett, uh, you ready to rock and roll here? Yep. Roughly 93% of patients with asthma and COPD take their inhaler incorrectly on a daily basis, resulting in less than 20% of the medication actually reaching their lungs. So to solve this problem, we've developed BreeSuite. BreeSuite is an inhaler add-on device meant at training patients with asthma and COPD proper inhaler technique and adherence on a daily basis. Currently, um, we have a team of engineers and medical professionals who are dedicated to uh, developing in the medical technology space. Um, some of our competitors include medication adherence trackers, none of which actually track uh, inhaler technique as well as, as, well as adherence. Currently, um, our ask is for $400,000 to help um, drive our product to market and ultimately get us to the next level. Um, our, some of our traction so far, we've actually been approached by some of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world, including AstraZeneca, who are actually interested in partnering with us to develop a device for their types of inhaler devices. So we're a breeze suite, and we're looking, we're looking to get uh, patients with asthma and COPD. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, who would like to start? Amy? Uh, good job. Um, I was just curious about the regulatory path and if your device uh, is impacting like the delivery of the drug, how does that look in terms of process? So um, one of the interesting things about a device is that since we're giving them an inhaler technique score, rather than telling them how much medication actually reaches their lungs, we're avoiding the medical device regulations. Ultimately, the goal would be to be a medical device once we get the capital to do so, but it's a good entry to market for to start. Um, 400k raise, like what's your runway and what's your use of funds? Uh, so the use of funds is mainly, mainly to uh, hire people to, um, you know, bring our product to the next level as well as protect our IP um, and run our second clinical trial um, to ultimately test our device in the clinical environment. What are you looking at at your uh, target price point and your margins? Um, yeah, so we're looking at uh, $99 to sell the device. Um, we're targeting uh, pediatric pa or parents of pediatric patients because they'll want to know um, that their, their child is getting the most out of each inhaler dosage. Um, and yeah, ultimately, our goal at the end of the day would be to get this approved through insurance companies, um, but first we'll, we'll ultimately focus on sales towards those, uh, those patients. Good pitch. Um, I've yet to meet a startup that didn't have a skill set gap. Um, what's yours and how you fill it? So uh, one of, our, one of the, the people on our team is actually uh, a medical professional. She treats patients with asthma. Um, another one has um, worked with uh, Medtronic before, and, and he's had experience kind of taking uh, medical devices to, to market, um, as well as we have a, a, a group of engineers which are actually focused on developing the actual product. All right, some feedback. 
just a little bit of a follow-on to your answer to my question. You, you, I think you told me more what skills you did have, and um, I didn't quite get the gist of, you know, the important thing is to recognize what you don't have, and uh, it's, that's not a shortfall. No, no team is in an early-stage company is complete, but that's something you're going to have to watch for. Yeah, I, I love that you're solving a problem. Like, for those who utilized inhalers, I mean, it, it is a big barrier, not only at the youth and pediatric side, but also on the senior side. Um, so I love it. It's a, it's a massive problem, and it's an affordable device. And if I saw it on the shelf and I was a parent with a child, $99 is a no-brainer for me. So well done. Um, yeah, great idea, great pitch. Uh, I would actually... If I were you, I would emphasize the fact that you're going to have like a very simple bypassing the regulations pathway to market. I think that will appeal to a lot of people, buyers as well as investors. Um, so I agree with Gary. Like I thought it was, um, that would be like the only thing I'd really talk to. Otherwise, I completely understood what you were trying to do, and I think it's a compelling, uh, compelling problem to solve. Wow. So we've saved for the last. <laughs> Robin. So, uh, Robin, are you, uh, you ready to go? I'm ready. Well, you are on. All right. Have you ever had a craft beer that you loved, but to buy that same brand again, it didn't taste anything like the last time? Our solution, Brew Manager, helps craft brewers with product consistency and repeatability. We let brewers use their data to its full potential, giving them a streamlined product. Our status quo is our main competition, so paper brew sheet and whiteboard overviews. We are targeting 8,000 craft brewers in Canada, the U.S., and England, representing a TAM of $250 million. I am the CEO of Warrior Tech with 10 years of sales and product management experience. My team of professionals include a seasoned craft brewing scientist. We have spoken with over 150 brewing professionals and over 75% of them are saying what we are doing is exactly what the market needs. We are looking to raise $350,000 so we can focus on market rollout. Well, who would like to start? So are you, is it a SaaS-based model? The software, recurring fees? That's right. Yeah, we also have hardware, but we're giving away that for free and collecting the revenue from the SaaS. Oh, as a CFO, I don't like the word free. But that's, <laughs> I, I understand we, your. We made it I understand your business model. But that's we made awesome. it very inexpensive. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a great pitch. You mentioned the team. You mentioned the market. You mentioned how much you could address. Um, an understanding of the market. You've been engaging with your customers, so tick all those off. Um, the had you had a few more seconds, it would have been nice to hear about the specific product pricing and, and, um, and how you make money. What about adjacent markets, like distilleries and other ones? So how big is this opportunity? Yeah, uh, we also d we're starting with craft brewers as our beachhead market. Then we'll go into cideries, wineries, distilleries, and other liquid food processing. Um, and that's a $1 billion market because we're targeting the small crafts. Um, how are you planning to reach all of the small craft breweries? Because I assume most of them are independent, and if you want to kind of scale quickly, what's your approach to that? Yeah, so each, um, we're going to start with the U.S. 
Each state has their own craft brewing association or guild. Uh, we've already identified all of them and started reaching out to them. Okay, thanks. Could I touch on Paul? Paul, you asked me asked about uh, pricing. Uh, it's modules, so it can grow with the brewer. They're able to choose in, uh, which modules they would like. It starts with $100, and we're going to be up to $500 a month. Is the hardware off the shelf? or? No, we had to develop it ourselves. Okay. It, doesn't, it didn't exist. Okay. Great. Good, good. Well done. Our uh, final piece of uh, feedback. Um, uh, I think I would look for ways to make the market even bigger, to make it super appealing, because uh, a million is good, but I, I think it needs to be a bit bigger, in my view. Yeah, I, I thought it was a very good pitch. Uh, you hit all the, the uh, key points. I think it is uh, a market that can be bigger. When you start... Getting outside of the craft breweries, the cider market is growing like crazy. Um, and when you go wine and other liquid products, uh, I can understand like the software is and that recurring revenue model, especially at like $100 a month per brewer, 500 like that's phenomenal. Full disclosure, I goofed because I started with feedback and sort of asked the question. Um, Back, back to um, your, your, revenue, your revenue numbers, um, to be attractive to equity investment, you know, we need to see a viable exit, which gives us the type of return that we're looking for. So, so we, we would need to be convinced that there was a bigger market out there. Um, I don't know this market very well, but the first thing that kind of came to mind for me is, is the issue of taste consistency, like a compelling problem for the majority or a large portion of people that consume craft alcohol, beer, wine, whatever. Do you have any other applications besides just taste, or is it also consistency, quality? Okay. So certainly from the perspective of uh, market size, usually we see people coming at us with this huge market and dumbing it down. So your, your comment, Gary. Uh, good job. So most of you weren't involved in yesterday's pitch training. Where you've come from yesterday to today, night and day, you put a lot of hard work into that, a lot. Is Who else would like to hop up there and try to pitch like that, right? That's tough. Well done. Uh, Daryl, I'm going to ask you to come up, um, if you don't mind, in, in, in a moment. And so um, I wanted Daryl Genge, who's the president and CEO of Springboard Atlantic, who have been faithful in their partnership and support of Invest Atlantic and the Pitch Camp program since 2010, to say a, a, a hello and a welcome, because they have been the main supporter for the, the whole pitching program that was established, actually, in 2014. And that was the program that uh, the, all of you went, 32 of you went through yesterday. So, Daryl, if you don't mind just coming up and have, have a word. Thanks. Well, thanks, Bob. I'll keep it brief. Um, for those of you who don't know Springboard Atlantic, we're actually 
a network of 19 universities and colleges throughout Atlantic Canada. And, you know, with the great support of ACOA and as well our members, we're really on the front line of a lot of the opportunities that, that not only you see here today, but things that are coming out of our institutions that can be commercialized, that can be turned into great market opportunities. So we're really pleased to support Pitch 101, Pitch 201, and as much as we can, put uh, good entrepreneurs, great ideas in front of good investors. So thanks, everybody, for the support as well. And thank you, Bob. Well, uh, since 2014, we've done, I guess we're at uh, 1,049 participants have gone through the Pitch 101 program throughout Atlantic Canada. Of that, there have been 11, 11, and only 11 that received all green cards. So four judges voting, only 11 have ever received all four green cards. Who is that person today? Seven of those 11 came from Newfoundland. Where are you from, bye? Newfoundland. I'm also going to share a tidbit of information that since 2014, where's Daniel Hoyles? Daniel, come on up here. Come on. Come on up for a quick second. Come on. Daniel arrived by boat from Newfoundland, 2014, said, I'm going to pitch. He, he got up and pitched. He didn't know I was going to do this. Um, he got up and pitched. And i got to tell you, he aced it. He blew everybody away. And um, Daniel has since moved on. He's actually, you're, uh, uh, you rode all the way to New Brunswick and, and now with NBIF. Um, but I'd like you to just share a word of what that pitch program was able to, when you pitched, what did it do for you afterwards? I think the biggest thing is for anyone who has to pitch their business idea, it's nerve-wracking. Um, but it just helps you with that personal development, breaking out of uh, the mold and, you know, accepting situations that might not be the most comfortable. But it just enhances your personal development and it just gets you prepared for more difficult conversations. And you're going to be able to use that whenever you go into an investor's meeting and try to break down your idea and zone in on what's actually important and what is going to unlock that investment. Cool. Well, so Daniel was the start of a rebellion. Newfoundland has won every pitch competition at Invest Atlantic. The pressure's on, by <laughs> for the Pitch 101. So uh, it'll be very interesting. But thanks, Daniel. And uh, so on that note, let's um, turn around and have a, a break. <laughs> Uh, 
the gentleman immediately to my left is Jerry Pond, a small-time investor out of uh, Surf City, St. John, New Brunswick. Oh. Yeah. Jerry uh, is a previous chair of Invest Atlantic, actually in uh, 2011 in Halifax, and has been a huge supporter of this ecosystem, in particular in IT, but he has more passion and heart to listen and pay attention to what's going on to any startup that has something to say. Uh, and I think that through osmosis, um, he's affected most of us the same way. Uh, this, this whole sector has changed in Atlantic Canada, in my opinion, because of Jerry and his leadership and his uh, merry band of what he calls his angels. Um, and, and they're not necessarily financial angels. These are, these are people who, uh, <laughs> who in turn have, many of them in this room, who continue to help the ecosystem. So on that note... So next to Jerry, and I'll, I'll, uh, we'll go through this in a minute, uh, is Alex and then Randy and Mary. And uh, we'll ask each of them to uh, take 30 seconds and, and tell you who they are. But first, I would like to introduce our five pitchers. So again, uh, the same preamble is pitch 101. These are our top 201s. They have uh, an extra minute, so they have two minutes to pitch today. And they uh, are distinctly interested in investment in a very important and courageous way to get their message across and say, we want money. So um, on that, we will then move over and uh, I guess probably Mary would you like to do a 30 second intro and tell us your your background of investment my name is Mary Long Irwin and I'm with Northern Ontario Angels we manage a group of a give or take about 400 angels across Northern Ontario we look at deals from Northern Ontario Pardon me, it deals from Northern Ontario, and we also have angels that look at deals outside of Northern Ontario. Uh, Marat, would you like? Uh, my name is Marat. I'm a managing partner at Good News Ventures. It's a VC fund based out of Toronto. Also, I'm a, a board member of York Angels uh, and a chairman of the group. Uh, it's an angel group based out of Markham, uh, close to Toronto. We have uh, over 130 members in our group as well. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, uh, good to be here. Randy, yeah, sure. So uh, the guy from York Angels had to tell you it was 1.30 because uh, their executive director passed us this year when we hit 1.10, and she told me 1.11, 1.12, 1.13, and so she's become a constant dripping of water. So I'm the small angel group from uh, BC and Alberta, uh, run Valhalla Angels. Uh, we have 110 members uh, across five chapters. Uh, we've done 190 deals for about $60 million in uh, ecosystem since 2003, and we have four funds. So we have a debt fund, a convertible note fund, an equity fund, so that our uh, startups 
have the option to use whatever tool is the best one for them. Uh, myself, I've invested in 60 companies and a couple of funds and uh, looking forward. Oh, we've done seven deals here in Atlantic Canada. So I... Before Alex says anything, uh, I think there are a couple of people thinking there might be an eighth or ninth. Uh, Alex Macbeth, I am uh, one of the investment directors at Island Capital Partners. Uh, we've been going a year. We've done six deals in Atlantic Canada. Okay, uh, I'm uh, uh, chair of the board, also of the Startup Zone. I'm on the national board of NACO with uh, my friend Jerry here. And uh, as an aside, I also happen to be vice chair of the board of the Confederation Center, uh, which I think has been a great venue. Uh, I'm a seniorpreneur. You could probably tell that by now. Uh, I'm also like I'm an angel investor, a senior angel investor as well. I, I don't have an acronym for that. But um, I did start my own business when I was 58. So any of you guys can wait until you're 58. I'd advise you not to. But uh, that's the, my claim to fame. I'm an investor in Atlantic Canada. I have no investments in Newfoundland and Labrador, but it's not without trying. 25 in the Maritimes. Great. Thanks. And thank you for making the time from Alberta, from uh, Northern Ontario, Ontario. St. John and Alex, thanks. Thanks for coming. So really the rules are the same. The only difference is it's a two-minute pitch instead of a one-minute pitch that you heard earlier. Uh, all pitchers were working hard, diligently, to incorporate these seven key points into their pitch. And on that, I would like to introduce our first pitcher, Bill Smith. You're on, Bill. There are over 300,000 cases of sports-related concussions in the United States every year with a 38% reoccurrence rate. Our research shows that as little as a one-pound increase in neck strength can reduce concussion rates by as much as 5%. Canadian helicopter pilots suffer from neck pain to the tune of 85% with lost productivity, lost time, and sometimes shortened careers. There's elastic tubing, there's free weights, there's even a $60,000 free weight machine out there that our, our research says maybe not as precise, maybe not as safe as they ought to be. We've invested three years in ro robotically engineering a chair with a housing unit with FDA precision-guided motors for both strengthening and assessment of range of motion in the neck. We have an arm that contacts the head in 360 degrees with special sensors that can extract data from the neck like no tomorrow. We don't know if there's another product even close. We are using augmented reality glasses to control the position of the head when we're assessing it. The data that we collect, we're going to use to devise strengthening protocols for pro athletes to reduce neck injury and also to reduce concussion incidents. Down the road, we believe there's an opportunity for diagnosis and treatment of whiplash cases. We're targeting the $1.86 billion medical or fitness, uh, fitness manufacturing sector, and right now we've completed our beta testing for both electrical and mechanical verification. We're entering into human validation studies at Dalhousie University in collaboration with Kinduct Technologies. Kinduct Technologies, based out of Halifax, do data analytics for the body, for the NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA. We have a letter of intent signed by them last week so that we can explore white labeling techniques and them introducing us to their client, the existing client base. 
I'm a clinician with 25 years of experience. I've had great engineers building this for me. We're looking for half a million dollars for both strategic hires. Thank you. All right. Well, so we will move to a, a Q&A. And uh, so, Mary, would you do you want to start with uh, questions? And if you are able, or once you are able, to secure your five hundred thousand dollars, would those funds be matched? Like, are you will you be in a position to obtain some grants to match that funding? I can't speak for any provincial or federal organizations that may or may not be in the room, but ECOA said that they would match the funds. Yes. <laughs> Love it. I, I don't know if anybody heard that, but the, the answer was it's true. Okay. So. Uh, so I don't understand uh, what what your customers will be paying for. So these licensing agreements sound interesting, but I don't understand, like, are they buying a product? Are they buying a software? Are they buying the data? And, and what's, what's the price point and the margins? Whoa, that... <laughs> yeah, I know. That's three. Okay, I'm good. getting good at... Okay, yeah. so our original, original uh, model was uh, first-time sales and then ongoing training seminars. With the introduction of uh, Kinduct technology, there, there will be an opportunity for ongoing uh, interaction with professional teams like NHL teams. They just signed a deal with the Vancouver Canucks, for example. So, uh, pardon me? How much? Uh, I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so we're still exploring those opportunities. What was the last question you asked? Just the pricing, like you don't have the pricing come up. Yes, we do. We have um, a $75,000 unit with augmented reality glasses, a $55,000 unit with a 58% margin, and we've actually even looked, explored at building a $1,500 model that we can sell for $10,000. Okay. Thank you. The IP associated with this, uh, where is that? Is it in place? And secondly, is there a certification required in order to treatment? We did a pivot on that last summer because we were going for class 2 medical device certification. But we're, as a fitness device, the answer is no. And we're using Gowling out of Ottawa. We've bought a global PCT uh, in September of last year. Jerry? Are you 50? Just turned 50. You look like it. You look like me after a while. <laughs> um, so, sorry about that. I, I, I'm very sensitive. I don't know what your gadget does for the customer. Could you yeah. explain it in English? Everything in, in, in assessment of the human body now is going the way of analytics. If you, if you can assess range of motions in an arm and the strength and then design a, a program to strengthen that, you might be able to turn a fastball pitcher from an 85-mile-an-hour fastball pitcher into a 95-mile-an-hour fastball pitcher. We've just built the same device for the neck. Well, uh, if you wanted to throw a ball, investors will figure out a way to do it. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, you, you, you survived, Bill. You got through that. Uh, all right, so uh, now we have uh, Bill, if you want to stay up. Um, we'll, we'll go through the, uh, the judges' feedback. We've got two minutes, and so if each of you were to take approximately 30 seconds. And give uh, or 20, 20 seconds and give some feedback. That'd be great. You need a value proposition. That's what I was trying to get at, so people like me would understand it. Okay. Thanks.
Yeah, I wasn't sure whether this was an assessment uh, tool, a diagnostic tool, or a treatment tool, and therefore I wasn't sure what the business model was. And funny, I went for the pricing to try to get to the business model without telling you I don't get what you do. So that's always kind of a problem is you've spent so much time mm -hmm. des describing this device, this medical device, yeah. and we're still looking for a business model. And that's three of us said the same thing so far. I'll bet you get two more. Well, I'd like to say that. However, I'm familiar with yours, so it's a little bit different. Um, so I I'm coming from a different perspective. I find that from the very first time when we had talked and you'd made a pitch, you have grown tremendously and you have also been in now in a better position to actually, I think you're more investment ready now. Yeah, great pitch. Uh, I guess uh, it's, it's, it's great to see, it would be great to see the uh, prototype and, and, and understand, you know, what's your uh, go-to-market strategy and uh, how, you, what's, how long is your sales cycle. Uh, and, I, and since you're selling to uh, uh, national teams, it could be, a, uh, uh, you know, one of the difficulties. Yeah, but overall, it's a great pitch. Yeah, great idea. Great. Any, any other comments? Sorry, no, go ahead, Randy. Well, yeah. it's just, I think this is for everybody else, too. Like, I've invested in medtech, and um, uh, Peter used the term zombie today. So one of my big fears is, like, we all want to get into biotech and medtech because there's such a huge upside, but we've been in the deals 8, 9, 10, 11 years. So one of the things that you'd want to do to help us is tell me I, I shouldn't be scared. So it would be great to see that there's that line of path to revenues and you're going to be different than everybody else we've invested in because you're going to get us out in six or seven years. And some part of that storytelling has to have that. You're nodding too, which is nice. So, yeah. so it's a length of the sales cycle yeah, okay. that's involved in something like yeah. this. Yeah. So, and, and to give credit to everybody, the, the 101 and the 201 pitchers were the basics of this is that you're, you only have so much information to get out in two minutes. Our theory is put the information out there, and, and I'm not saying uh, how Bill pitched, I'm not commenting on that, but get the information out so that you have questions. You want to tease the people listening to you. You want to intrigue them to ask you further questions because you're never going to be able to get all this information in. So I, 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 on that side of things, I think we, we, somebody accomplished that here. All right, Kelly. Come on up. You ready to go? Having a septic system back up into your house or puddles of bacteria-laden raw sewage on your lawn has got to be one of the worst problems a homeowner could ever face. If you have guys in hazmat suits sucking raw sewage up off your floor, that is not just a problem. That is a catastrophe. Septic Sitter is the world's first patent-protected smart septic monitoring solution for the world's 200 million plus septic systems. Our sensors install easily in septic tanks and drain fields and keep watch 24-7 and the data is uploaded to the cloud for easy access and alerts. My name is Kelly Galloway. I'm CEO and founder of Septic Sitter and I'm an award-winning septic system engineer and a go-to industry expert. In addition to our team, we also have an advisory board that includes the, uh, Canada's largest septic service company and an IOT tech expert. We sell hardware and subscriptions B2B through septic service companies who each have thousands to tens of thousands of customers. 
We plan to expand into the property development area and also to sell our big septic data to insurance companies. Our universal sensors are more flexible than the competition and retrofit more easily to septic systems. We expect within five years to have a $100 million company by capturing just 5% of the septic installation market in North America and less than 0.5% of the retrofit market. We have started shipping our version one system throughout North America and we have uh, large orders expected with University of Georgia and Parks Canada. We are seeking a $600,000 investment. Job. Under the wire. You got it, under the wire. All right, so uh, we'll go with Q&A. Uh, great pitch. Uh, actually, I can relate to the problem. So, you know, we have a property that uh, insurance doesn't cover the uh, septic backup. So, I think it's a, a huge problem to solve. Uh, like, I would like to know how it, you know how easy it is to install. Whether or not you need to, you know, specific uh, technician to come over and install this, and uh, you know how you plan to co collaborate with insurance companies in order to, you know, scale it, uh, you know, beyond above. Okay. Um, so we're selling through. Uh, uh, septic service professionals, B2B, um, because it is sewage after all, and there's uh, hazardous fumes, bacteria, so we really want to leave it in the hands of professionals to do the installation. But one of the main motivating factors is that each of these large companies have, as I said, thousands, and some have tens of thousands of customers. So, you know, they're in close contact with their customers. We, we bring in one customer, they can fan it out to all of their customers. So. Um, that's the intent. We, we do sell uh, direct-to-consumer. Currently, we'll take any sales that come our way, but that's our preferred initial go-to-market model. You may not have had an opportunity to sort of finish that last bit, but you said you were looking for how much again? 600000 And what what are you giving up for the investor? What is the What would the investor get in return, and what is your exit strategy? Well, the expectation is the investor would get equity and that when there is an exit and our, my anticipated exit uh, with the growing water uh, crisis around the world, um, there is a lot of activity in the, in, in the water space. Uh, uh, teachers pension uh, fund, uh, pension plan fund in Ontario bought uh, infiltrator systems for almost $500 million a couple of years ago. A company like that very likely could acquire us. So we'll, we'll continue on, but uh, perhaps we can just shorten some of the answers and, and yeah. Okay. You're, you're selling through uh, service providers uh, in this space. So I understand the value proposition to me as a homeowner who doesn't want this backup. What's the value proposition to the service provider who's going to get the work anyway? Yeah. Um, well, the main uh, benefit for them, I believe, will be that right now, there are literally millions of undetected septic problems, ticking time bombs underground that people don't know about. And sometimes those can tick away for years, and other times they blow up in people's backyards. Once we have the data and the service provider can say to the homeowner, this is what's happening, it could be a problem, there is a revenue opportunity there that we can automatically feed uh, uh, problems that require solutions. So they will be able to sell more products and services, addressing, being proactive. Whereas right now, okay. people keep flushing until the toilet won't flush. Jerry? Um, 
I don't want to get too much detail here, but um, do you augment the system or do you replace it? Augment the septic system, you like mean? Your, yeah. No, we don't augment you don't, the septic. You don't, you don't touch it. No, we just retrofit it. our sensors, fit, drop. They're very compact and yeah. install very uh, okay. neatly. So you're analyzing for problems. Got it. Is it regulated, the septic system in North America? Septic systems are quite highly regulated, which is where we see a big opportunity that regulation is going to drive the need to have better performing septic systems to address growing environmental problems. But we have seen no regulation issues with our installation of our system. What was your sales last year? Uh, we, we are just getting going with sales. We just have our first version system and have shipped to less than 10 customers, but we've got 100 sensors ready to ship out. Okay. Thanks. Uh, so s stick around. We'll, we'll do some feedback. So uh, who would like to start? Um, I thought you hit all the points that we want to see in a two-minute pitch. So uh, just that whole, the dominoes all fell for me properly. I see the problem, love the team, drop the bomb about award-winning septic. You know, that was probably cool. And then accidentally mention your gut distribution and who your first two customers are. So like the whole pattern of how you did the pitch was really plausible, feasible. You checked all the boxes, and I can see a business plan or a business model there. So uh, well done. Well done, good pitch. I just wasn't clear on, on the, on the yeah. path to distribution or the, or the distribution channel to me as a consumer at the end of the day. Well done. I would agree as well. Yeah, great pitch. I guess I just uh, want to add if, you know, I would go even beyond and say, okay, so it's not a retrofit, actually, new construction as well. Why not, you know, team up with the uh, uh, providers of septics and say, well, let's install the on new septics. So it's kind of, you know, not a really problem. Yeah, thanks. Great. Yes, certainly. Go ahead. The only seeing is nobody's going to give you anything negative. I'll be that guy. Um, I still, I, interestingly, uh, we gave the first guy's pitch a little bit yellow, but it's, I can see how that's investable, and I haven't got a sense of how much, like, you kind of dodge the whole, like, I, if I get asked last year's revenue question, and I say, I have no revenues, but this year I'm going to do this, and next year I'm going to do that, take the opportunity to tell us how big you're going to be, because right now it, I don't know whether this is a small problem or a big problem. So. Good. Corey, ready to rock and roll? I guess. All right, you're on. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Corey Anta from Dispension Industries. We're a technology startup from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, and I'd like to introduce our product, the Verified Identity Dispenser. Uh, imagine going to an ATM and being able to withdraw cash by simply scanning your palm. Now imagine doing that for your cannabis and for your pharmaceutical needs. Think about an, uh, an, uh, sorry, a vending machine, a sophisticated vending machine with uh, all the technical features, the security features of, uh, of a vault, and then think about what that can do for all these retailers that have distribution issues with these regulated products. Um, the opioid crisis is one of our primary focuses, and currently uh, 4,000 people died in Canada in 2017, and 74,000 people died in the United States. We offer a solution to distribute opioids in a secure manner to people who are at risk of overdosing by identifying the user directly and providing them with a daily dosage of their, their medicine. With cannabis, we're also using this technology to distribute cannabis in the recreational market, me medical and recreational cannabis, 
by registering users and providing them with access in rural communities. And this also reduces access to youth and improves the ability of the consumer to learn about the product. Uh, we have a number of partnerships in place. We're currently in a contract with the Centre for Disease Control. Uh, we have Health Canada on board, and we're working with a number of uh, cannabis retailers um, in various provinces across the country. We're currently pursuing opportunities in Colombia, Germany, the United States, Mexico, South Africa, and Jamaica. Our partners and our team is made up of a former premier, C-level executives, and entrepreneurs, and we are seeking $1.5 million to pursue commercialization goals and work to pursue business development opportunities. I apologize, I actually took vending machine out of my vocabulary because it's not a vending machine, it's an advanced dispensing machine, but to make everybody understand what we're talking about. All right. Q&A, who would like to start? You're, you're dispensing drugs, so there must be some huge regulatory environment around that and certification requirement of that and risk associated with that. Yeah, we actually have uh, exemptions with the Controlled Drugs and Substances Act in order to implement this uh, process. We're working with the Center for Disease Control to implement a solution that will save lives, and there are quite a few uh, exceptions that are being um, passed for this technology. When you said uh, something to the effect that you were, I think, uh, I don't, you didn't know who was talking about something like that, to Health Canada, what does that mean? You're in a dialogue with Health Canada? What does that mean? Yeah, we're, we're in dialogue with Health Canada at the federal level as well. Um, the federal health minister had a discussion with the doctor who's a leader on our team that this is the only solution on the table to prevent people from dying uh, from opioid-related deaths. And Health Canada has uh, set aside $71 million of additional funding for innovative solutions to the opioid crisis with the B.C. government. So we are actively working with uh, the federal government to um, provide a solution to this crisis. Um, okay, so I had to, had to make two pretty big leaps, like that you're in commercialization and you need, uh, and you don't have all the regulatory, so you've got a long, longer path on the regulatory side and you're raising one and a half million in your seed round. Um, from my perspective, that's a massive seed round. Like when I, when I look at what you're doing in a pre-revenue raise, what you're going to need next, and I don't know how much you've raised so far. Can you, t can you answer those three? Uh, well, that's actually incorrect as far as okay, the timeline to commercialization. Okay. We have three machines being deployed in Vancouver in two weeks, and those machines will be um, implemented with uh, a scientific study that will be conducted, uh, and those, that project will be scaled to 50 units within the first six months. <clears throat> Uh, great pitch, and uh, uh, so I think it's right about time with our localization coming in uh, pretty soon. And uh, uh, the question is about the business model. So like, uh, is there any recurring component into the business model? And if it is, how are you going to uh, defend if there are other players enter the market with the uh, like dispensary machines? Yeah, uh, thanks for asking that question. Our, our revenue model is based off seven different revenue streams. The first is a lease model where we'll own the assets and we'll lease the assets at $5,500 per unit per month to government agencies. The second revenue portion comes from transaction fees off the cannabis side, uh, advertising, health media, and uh, data management. 
Um, and your other question. Uh, how is it defendable if other players enter the market and just start selling the machines? Yeah, there are some regulations, and because it's a regulated market, there's a very high barrier to entry for competitors. We've actually integrated leading companies in the space to provide us with uh, different uh, components of data and traceability for um, pharmaceuticals and cannabis. So we've integrated uh, an industry-leading solution that will be deployed globally. And as far as competition, there's... Uh, competitors that are developing vending machines, but there is no company in the market that has integrated the industry leaders and developed a turnkey solution right. for Thanks. distribution. Yep, good. Let's move to uh, the, um, let's move to the critique, feedback. So yeah. if we could, um, who would like to start? Yeah, great pitch. Uh, yeah, we, 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 yeah, so I guess uh, just, you know, I, I would like to know more, but I guess with this short time, amount of time, it's just impossible. Yeah, otherwise, uh, great pitch. Thank you. Also a good pitch. I, my concerns are where Randy was going um, because uh, I'm not sure. I didn't hear proof of concept. I don't have customers, and it's just you're still a ways yet, and the ask is for the initial round seems very high. The valuation seems high. Just again, we do have so customers. This, by the way, this is just one way Sorry. feedback. No, it's a course. No, no. Sorry. Uh, and, and I actually appreciate it. It's very tough to find the balance sometimes between telling an investor he's a moron uh, or saying politely you're, you're wrong. And I thought you did a good job of uh, pushing me back, so uh, credit to you. Like finding that language is tough. Um, I still think you're wrong. Uh, no. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Where I'm worried about is you were using the language of commercialization, and then in Q&A you tell me you're, you're, going, you're launching next week. So the problem is in sometimes the language you pick. Mm -hmm. So if you want to tell a kind of an R&D story, you use language like commercialization and dialogue with Health Canada. Uh, you know, you had a chance when Jerry asked you, you're farther along with Health Canada than you let on with a dialogue. You guys aren't launching in Vancouver without something in place. We have a commercial contract. With yeah, so, so see, you took us down a commercialization path. Mm -hmm. You should have taken us down a commercial path. And then I can get a better handle on that, that round. Thanks. Yeah, I was just going to make the same. I mean, a big need. Uh, sounds like a great product. Uh, just to echo that last comment, I wasn't clear because you talked about dialogue and discussions with various regulatory bodies and all that, and I just didn't hear anything about signed contracts or any, uh, any immediate uh, uh, sales. So. How much do you pay Carl Dexter? <laughs> so, so, yeah. That, <coughs> so, I can't answer that. Yeah. All right. Thank yeah, you. I know, I know, I know. Emma, come on up. Where's the welcome? Come on. You're on. Good afternoon. My name is Emma Fugate. I'm the VP of Business Development for Onset Communication. I hope all of you have heard of the show Game of Thrones. It recently won an Emmy. That show costs $100,000 for every minute that you see on the screen. The film and television business, in, it's very much time is money. And the key to a well-run production is good communication, which for a visual, visual medium like film can be very challenging when your communication tools are walkie-talkies, texting, and, and paper. So at Onset Communication, we have developed the Onset Assistant. Our system gives access to live camera feeds and a library of pre-recorded takes 
on tablets to key crew members. But our unique selling point, our unique feature that our competition doesn't have is it allows crew members to have a visual conversation by marking up the screen and this is available instantly and at a distance. The market for film and television production is $4 billion globally and we're initially looking at addressing the Canadian market which is $56 million and then moving into the US market which is another $560 million in our next fiscal year and beyond. So our team, uh, our founder Brian Sharp has got 25 years experience in the film and television industry. We also have four developers, uh, three business affairs people and two sales. And all our key people have more than 25 years experience in their chosen field. So we have a distribution agreement with William F. White which is the largest film and television uh, equipment renter in Canada and we've done over 60 demos with customers in LA, Toronto and Halifax and we have had 100% positive response and we have a lot of demand. Good job. Good job. <clears throat> That's why we have a Q&A. I'll throw you a puffball. So are you trying to raise any money? <laughs> Yes, we're looking to raise uh, $2 million for a Series A round next year to um, continue our product development and allow us to roll out our sales and marketing strategy. Thank and I, my real question is, I'd love to know what are the revenues attached to the agreements you have. Again, it seems to be something that's not coming up a lot. I'm sorry, I missed the revenues attached to the agreement? The, you said you have two agreements in place right now? We have one agreement with William F. White, that's, the, uh, that's in Canada, and uh, that's on a revenue sharing um, at 70-30, so we get 70%. Okay, it's still like, I'm trying to drill down to a real number, so somebody oh. comes in and is buying something. And okay, it's a rental model, so um, we have a kit, the hardware is... Um, there's nothing really, um, no secret source in the hardware, it's, the software is, is our product. Um, but we rent a kit and they rent, the kits rent for between $800 and $1,500 a day. And our um, payback for our, um, our kit is we only need 30 days of rentals in order to cover our hardware costs. And so life of a unit is about two, uh, between two and four years. I apologize, I have a bit of a hearing problem. If I took your, is it equipment or software that you make? Uh, it's, it's both. Um, we deliver a, a hardware with the software installed. So it's a rent, we rent the, the kit to and the productions. Is there IP associated with both or just one of? Just the software. Yeah, the IP is, is the hardware is off the shelf. And do you have a patent? We don't have a patent. It's, um, it's um, I guess, a trade secret. It's a trade secret. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. Thank you. Yeah, I guess uh, I would like to know the uh, competitive landscape, uh, how it looks like, and uh, also how long is the sales cycle? Uh, the sales cycle? Um, we, it, usually we're finding out about productions. Um, the productions have to take a long time to get greenlit, so usually we're finding out about the, the, sale, the potential sale about two or three months before um, the production goes, goes ahead. Um, and it's it, it's project-based, so we're constantly looking for new projects. Um, and what was the other question? Any competitors? Um, there are other competitors that do uh, some playback, but their systems, we've, we've seen them in action, and they don't do as much as us, but nobody allows the communication. So. 
Thank you. What is your monthly burn rate with eight people? Um, those eight people, some of them are on staff, some of them are contractors, and some of them are, are unpaid advisors. So our burn rate right now is, um, will be, once we get our sales team on, will be in the, around about 40,000 a month. Island Capital is a seed investor, so we think it's great. So. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, let's go to... Uh, Uh, let's go to uh, <coughs> excuse me. Go to uh, the feedback. Uh, Mary, it was a good presentation. Although during the presentation, I didn't understand how many customers you had, what agreements were in place, and the financial portion of it wasn't that clear in the in the presentation itself. Great presentation. Uh, yeah, would love to know more, I guess, metrics about the business because it's not like a typical uh, idea stage startup, so you get much further along. Yeah, but otherwise, yeah, yeah I guess, uh, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, you can already tell I got lost on are you a startup, are you not a startup, do these eight people have a job right now? I was trying to drive to get a revenue number from you, and I feel like you did everything possible not to tell me how much money you make. And so you broke down how you get paid, how, where, where the rental happens, and all I was looking for was revenue, like what's your revenue number, and I still don't know. So I'm left, like you sound like you've got the senior team with a burn rate and some revenue coming in, but I'm not really sure, but you need $2 million, and that doesn't sound like a startup number, so there must be somebody paying you, and I kind of got lost in there. I hate to say that. So you should be in 301, I think. Because you're further advanced, but I don't know how. Other than money bags here, it's put a lot of money in. Um, so are, could you share your capitalization today? Um, right now, um, I can tell you that um, ITP have a stake of 15%, and that was for $230,000. So that gives you an idea of where we're at. As far as revenue goes, we actually have our first paying customer going into production on Friday. So we have pre-revenue up until tomorrow, right. <laughs> Friday. So. Great. Okay. Oh, how much? Well, that's, that's all right because we're, 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 yeah. I mean, we're currently in the feedback stage here. So I, I have the feeling, folks, that there's going to be continued conversations here. All right. We are uh, moving right into Kat. Are you ready, Kat? Come on. Where's that? The last... <laughs> It's your show. In order to beat climate change, we need to make renewables simpler, more affordable, and designed specifically for people in both rural and urban areas. 48% of the population want this, and we've identified wind as the best solution. My name is Kat Adelaide. I'm the CEO of Aurea. Our first product is a smart, portable micro wind turbine called Shine. It is a 20 watt power source for people who are doing outdoor activities. Its blades are collapsible so that you can use it for easy transport. Its built-in battery charges cell phones, tablets, and other USB devices using its cable. Our competitors include other micro turbine companies such as Waterlily, Enomad, and Janulus. The advantage that we have over them 
is the fact that we have a high return of investment for our customers, it's a simpler setup, and our users can actually learn how the turbine works, what the wind speed is, and what their average reduction of carbon emissions are because of its smart device capabilities. This is a $12 billion opportunity in a $64 billion market that's growing 12% annually. The team consists of myself and my partner, uh, who's our COO, Rachel Carr. We are launching our pre-order site next month, and we already have 30 commitments. We are, we've, we've acquired $50,000 of our pre-seed round, and we are actively looking for our, the remaining amount, which is $350,000. After we scale with Shine, we will launch our second product, which we have already built the prototype for. This is Flare, an urban wind energy system for high-rise buildings that creates electricity using naturally occurring wind tunnels. I'd like to thank you and hope you join us on our journey to energy independence. Uh, anybody have any questions after that? To, it's a consumer product to power my iPhone and my uh, tablet and that when I'm outside and all that. So I want to disconnect when I'm outside. Mm -hmm. Will it power my beer fridge, I guess? How much power does it have? <laughs> 20 watts. Um, so unless you know of a beer fridge that can cool maybe two bottles. We, we, it's interesting. There's an accessory play that we might explore, but it's a good question. Do you have an iron ring on? I can't see it. I'm sorry? Do you have an iron ring on? And I can't see it. I went to Queens for mechanical engineering, but I dropped out to pursue entrepreneurship. Cause I oh, that's good. <laughs> Does the wind shine in PEI? Sorry? <laughs> I have the same problem. <laughs> Does the wind shine in PEI? Wind shine? I'm guessing you're referring to why is it called shine? Basically, we, ex we want to get across an experience, not so much what a power it's powered, but we basically we want to get across that people can shine, be independent, off-grid, as they're using your device. I'm assuming that uh, this is the first product. Have you got kind of an idea of multiple products in this line, a.k.a. beer fridges? Um, yeah, this is the first product. We're also working on a B2B play where we'll have a higher uh, wattage uh, system specifically for waterfront businesses. We've already got five layers of intent for this. Uh, great uh, dynamic pitch. Uh, really enjoyed. Uh, question is uh, regarding uh, your MVP. Is, uh, did you uh, done any research? Because uh, I saw similar products already on the market and uh, like on Kickstarter, I believe. Whether or not they actually you know, feasible, like uh, maybe we, it's better to switch to B2B side of a business from right from the get-go. Are you talking the first product or the second product? First product. First product, we are currently building our second iteration of our technology. There are other products in the market. We have, I've been working on this for literally seven years. I know all about renewables and wind energy. So everything that has been identified as a problem, it has been specifically designed to fix those problems. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Good, good. All right. So <clears throat> um, on that, let's go to uh, some feedback. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, great again. Uh, uh, really dynamic. And uh, we, we, I guess I would like to know more so if, uh, how the uh, uh, Kickstarter campaign, but I guess 
we about to see, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, great pitch. Good pitch. I really love your enthusiasm. Lots of times when investors are looking at deals, they're also looking at the principal and their passion. And so that was that came across very good. I saw your workshop this morning and I made sure I had that in there. <laughs> good one. That's called sucking up on the spot. That's well done. Yes, it is. Holy cow. Um, actually, no, I, I already said it earlier. I really like um, two-minute pitches where I can, I can see where the story is now, but more importantly, I want to know what am I getting into in the next couple of years. I thought you did a really good job of telling me where we are now, how, how much money I need now, where we're going next, what happens next, so I can see as an investor a path that we want to be on. It doesn't mean we're going to do it, and that means we're going to bomb along the way, but I got a sense of why I would get involved in this story, so I thought that was a really good pitch from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, great pitch. Uh, that was well done. You certainly demonstrated the passion. And I know you only have two minutes, but you have two very different markets. Uh, and that was a little, and I know it's difficult to communicate that in a very short period of time, but well done. Thank you. I agree with all the comments. Um, how long are you going to stay in this business? What's your plan? Flip? This is my life's calling. This is my passion. I want to be in this for the rest of my life. That's what it takes. I want to see this all the way through. How much money do you want? Currently raising $350,000 to get us to manufacturing, salaries, business development, technical development. Okay. To market. Come and see me. Will do. Thank you, sir. You. Uh, my only concern is then you're going to have to come up with a structure that gets me out and allows you to carry on the journey. There's lots of ways to do that. Don't be afraid, people, to say there is no exit for me, but there is one for you with a smile. Great. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Uh, that was a pretty action-packed afternoon. Um, pitchers, stand up. Come on up. Come on up front here. Impressive. Obviously, you did a lot of homework last night, all five of you, all ten of you. But in particular, you five really did some homework. That really very impressive. Alex, you were one of the judges yesterday. We saw, we saw a, a big difference, didn't we? So uh, on that note, so pitchers, thank you. Um, and I, I, I want to, uh, in particular, thank the judges again from coming today, but for the three of you that came from outside of Atlantic Canada, um, thanks a lot, really. Uh, I, I say that on behalf of everybody here. It's, it's really, it's grateful. In 2014, it was, I, I was uh, taken in the corner of Invest Atlantic room, main room, by three females who said, where are all the women? Why aren't there more women here? Last year, um, we had uh, close to 40% of the audience women. In 2010, it was less than 8%. Today breaks another record in that half of the pitchers, for the first time ever, are women. Well done. So let's keep that drive going. Right, let's keep it going. Let's, let's make it happen. 
Thank you to everybody. Thanks. So if it isn't apparent already, yeah, we're going to announce the pitch winners for uh, Pitch 101. Let's do it. Drum roll. Oh, and for $1,000 for the winner, six Joes, Jessica and Dave. Woo! Stand up. Let's see you. Come on. Big round of applause. $1,000, guys. Cash. Great job. Congrats. Okay. And uh, we had a little bit of an uh, interesting outcome for Pitch 201. Has this happened before, Bob, in the history? Okay, so this is a new one for Pitch 201. So we have a, a dead tie, a deadlock tie, um, with two companies in first place. So I'm going to say both of them back-to-back, -back, and hopefully they're both in this room. Each winner is getting 1700 cash out of this one. They had to split the grand prize of you know, 3500 And the winners are... Aurea and Dispension. Stand up. Where, where's Kat? There we go. Right? Nice. Awesome. And Corey, great. Coming up. All the winners. All the pitchers. Let's get all the finalists who, who pitched in the end. Bring up your teams. Come on down. All of the finalists will be receiving a uh, sort of a handoff to the incubator in their region. And... Uh, coordinating about uh, a membership with their local business incubator. So we're really happy to thank Volta and Vent, so Volta and Halifax, um, as well as there. We got Chris in the back. Let's give Chris a big round of applause in the back there in the gray standing. Chris has been an awesome partner with us for the Startup Zone. So Chris, thanks so much for coming out. Love chatting you. Looking forward to more collaborations. Um, we also have uh, Ven, who's... Uh, partnered with us as well to uh, provide in-kind services and in-kind memberships. I don't think we have anyone from Venn here, but um, we do have some New Brunswick folks. I heard that. Um, so thank you again, everyone, for being a part of that. And all PEI winners, finalists, will also have uh, Startup Zone services. So let's give a round of applause to all the finalists. Do we have time to run through the pitches one more time? Or? Great job, everybody. And thank you, everyone, for coming out tonight, this, or today and tonight, hopefully. Um, we really appreciate it. It's been lots of fun. This wouldn't have happened without you. We really are seeing this huge boom in startups here on the island. We're calling it Silicon Island, if you haven't heard of it already. And, uh, yeah, it's going absolutely wonderful. Thank you again so much. If you know anyone that's starting a business, Tell them to come to the Startup Zone and have a conversation with us or your local business incubator innovation hub. Thanks again.